Govind ki jai Shri Radha Krishna Govind Shri Radha Radha Kunda Giri Govardhan ki jai Vrindavan Dham ki jai Govardhan ki jai All glories to the assembled All glories to the assembled All glories to the assembled All glories to Sri Guru and Goranga. All glories to Sri Prabhupada. Namaste Saraswati Deve Gauravani Pachani Nivasesis and Yuani Paskutya De Satani. Vandeham Shri Guru Shri Utapadakamalam Shri Guru and Vaishnavam Shashi Rupam Sagrajatam Sahagana Ravanatam Bitam Sam Sajivam. Sadvoitam Sadvajitam Padijana Sahita Krishna Chaitanya Devam Shri Radha Krishna Padam Sahagana Ravita Shri Vishakam Bitam Sha. Vanchakavatu Vishaki Bisanviavatavati Tinam Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya 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 April 23rd, 2015, in Hillsboro, North Carolina, reading from Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 7, Chapter 1, The Supreme Lord is Equal to Everyone, Text 2. Nayasyarta Saraganai, Sakshanishreya Satmana, Naiva Surebio Vidveshu Nodvegas Chagunasyahi You're all bright, you can pick it up after him. You're, you're all smart enough, you can get it after him. Yeah. 
Benefit interest, interest. Suraganai, with the demigods, demigods. Sakshat, Sakshat. personally, Personally. Nishreyasya, Nishreyasya. of the highest bliss, bliss. Atmanaha, whose nature, nature. Na, Na. not, Not. Eva, Eva. certainly, Certainly. Asurebya, for the demons, Vidveshaha, envy, Na, not, Udvega, fear, cha, and Agunasya, who possesses no material qualities. He, certainly. Translation by Srila Prabhupada. Lord Vishnu himself, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, is the reservoir of all pleasure. Therefore, what benefit would he derive from siding with the demigods? What interest would he fulfill in this way? Since the Lord is transcendental, why should he fear the Asuras? And how could he be envious of them? So it's just, this is what this, it's this question that starts the whole story of Hiranyakashipu and Nisingadev. It's this, this particular question that's the impetus for that story. Purport. We should always remember the distinction between spiritual and material. That which is material is infected by the material qualities, but these qualities cannot touch that which is spiritual or transcendental. Krishna is absolute, whether he is in the material world or spiritual world. When we see partiality in Krishna, this vision is due to to his external energy. Otherwise, how could his enemies attain salvation after being killed by him? Everyone who deals with the Supreme Personality of Godhead gradually acquires the quality of the Lord. The more one advances in spiritual consciousness, the less he is affected by the duality of material qualities. The Supreme Lord, therefore, must certainly be freed from these qualities. His enmity and friendship are external features presented by the material energy. He is always transcendental. He is absolute, whether he kills or bestows his favor. Envy and friendship arise in one who is imperfect. We fear our enemies because, in the material world, we are always in need of help. The Lord, however, does not need anyone's help, for he is Atmarama. The Lord says in Bhagavad Gita 9.26, Patram Pushpam Palam Dvayam Yom Me Bhakti Prayachati Tadaham Bhakti Paritam Ashnami Prayatatmanaha. If a devotee offers me with devotion a little leaf, a flower, fruit, or water, I shall accept it. Why does the Lord say this? Is he dependent on the offering of the devotee? He's not actually dependent, but he likes to be dependent upon his devotee. This is his mercy. Similarly, he does not fear the asuras. Thus, there is no question of partiality in the supreme personality of God. Nasyarta suragana sakshanishreya tatmana naivasure bhyobhiveshu no vegas chagunasyahi Lord Vishnu himself, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, is the reservoir of all pleasure. Therefore, what benefit would he derive from siding with the demigods? What interest would he fulfill in this way? 
Since the Lord is transcendental, why should he fear the Asuras, and how could he be envious of them? So Prabhupada points out in this purport that as we deal with the Supreme Personality of Godhead, we gradually acquire the qualities of the Lord. The more one advances in spiritual consciousness, the less he is affected by the duality of material qualities. So these are some of the qualities of the devotees, that he's equal to friends and enemies. Yes? So it's some, one of the things that's repeated in the Bhagavad Gita, that the devotee is equal to friends and enemies. The devotee sees with equal mind, like friends, enemies, neutral, neutral parties. The devotee sees everyone equally. Samadarshina has this equal vision. Vidyavinaya sampane brahmani gavihasani suni chaivasvapakita pandita samadarshina. And this is what Krishna says, someone who's very dear to him, someone who's very dear to him, he sees equally friends and enemies and neutral. He, he's not that, well, okay, these people, these are my friends because they're going to benefit me. This is the question. What benefit is the Lord getting? And, but we see material consciousness is completely in... in entangled in this friends and enemies mentality. Isn't it practically all of the stories that are popular in the material world? All the history we study. What's it about when we study history in school? What's it mostly about? What's history mostly about? Wars. First there's this war, then there's that war, then there's the other war, and then there's these alliances, and there's these antagonists. It's all about friends and enemies. And we're brought up in this way materialistic people. Be loyal to your family, to your your clan, and other people. They're the other. This was Arjuna's position in the Bhagavad Gita. Swajana, these are my people. How can I kill my people? I'm supposed to be nice to my people. And this sort of thing goes on sometimes generation after generation after generation. There was some sort of argument you know, 300 years ago, 400 years ago, and still the great, 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 grandchildren are still killing each other, right? Over some something that happened hundreds or thousands of years ago. Well, these are my people. And we have this general conception. I was just hearing Prabhupada say the other day, he says when you're in America, when one Indian is in America and sees another Indian, oh, how are you doing? I had this experience in Shanghai, so when traveling in China, people in China don't speak English. I mean, they don't even know hello. Even hello, you know. Um, they just, they don't really understand English at all. My Only my translator spoke English. So after 10 days in China, when I'm at the Shanghai airport, and I heard somebody speaking in English, and not only English, but with an American accent, and not only an American accent, but a Northeastern American accent, <laughs> immediately I was like, oh, are you from America? Where are you from in America? We're from Connecticut. And you feel like, oh, these are my people. (laughs) My people. So this us and them. And what is this basis of us and them? Right? If you even the the main media, it's all about this, isn't it? All the the big popular movies and books. It's who do you love and who do you hate? The good guys and the bad guys. This is what it's all about. Uh, falling in love, there's some obstacle, right? Or Romeo and Juliet, they fall in love. The families are in opposition. They have the friends and the enemies. And so we may think, Atmavan Manyate Jagat, we may think that the Lord is like that. We may, we may think, oh, the Lord, he's dealing with people like this in terms of friends and enemies. 
So what is the cause of this friends and enemies? Prabhupada's saying this very clearly here. He's saying because in material consciousness we need help. We can't, we can't get what we need on our own. It's not possible. We're not, we talk about you know, self-sufficiency, but we're not self-sufficient in and of ourselves. We need to depend on others. I need to depend on the demigods, otherwise I can't get air and, and sunshine and water and food. Like Krishna says in the third chapter, you do yagya for the demigods and you become prosperous. Right? And I need to depend on my family members. This is one of the definitions of love people you can depend on and they can depend on you. That's how you know that someone's your friend. You can depend on them. They're going to be there for you. They're going to give you help when you need it. Right? My, my son, Keshav, I'm sure many of you remember, he was saying to me the other day, he said, the way that devotees think about other devotees is the way most people think about family. You know, somebody, you can, you can travel there, you can stay with them, they help you out, you know, they're there for you, right? And up. Uh, and I remember, especially in the beginning of the movement, we saw the, the non-devotees, the karmis. You know, they're, the, they're the enemies. <laughs> they're not going to be there for you. So this is because we need something. If we didn't need anything, we wouldn't have this mentality. And here Prabhupada is saying Krishna is Atmarama. Atmarama. What does Atmarama mean? What does Rama mean? Pleasure. You take pleasure in the self. And Krishna explains this, of course, in the sixth chapter of Bhagavad Gita, to relish and rejoice in the self. So those who actually see themselves realize, as Krishna also says, they have no need to depend on any other living being. That we actually don't need help from anyone else. Once we realize ourselves, and we realize we're a part and parcel of Krishna, Mamai Vamso Jiva Loke Jiva Bhuta Sanatana, who is complete, Om Purnamada Purnamidan, then we realize I, I actually don't need to depend on any other Jiva. I don't even need to depend on the demigods. I don't even need to depend on the material energy. Even if this body is killed, I'm eternal. Whether this body has air and food and water and whatever, I'm eternal. I'm not dependent on that. I'm not dependent on that. You know, just like in our modern society, we become to a large extent dependent on our machines. Yes? I mean, I, I remember, it wasn't that long ago when... I didn't use machines for correspondence, for example. I just sent things through the mail. I mean, when I was living here. So it wasn't that long ago that I did two hours of correspondence every week on Saturday from two to four. And that was my correspondence. Now I do like two hours a day of correspondence, if I'm lucky. If I'm lucky, sometimes it's four hours. And I've become very dependent on my machines. But are we really dependent on our machines? Without our machines, were we living? Those of you who are old enough... We were living. No, we weren't living. We were just dying. Life was, the world was going on. So we artificially think, I'm dependent on this machine. But without it, we were still, it, the world was still turning, is my point. So in the same way we think, I'm dependent on this body, I'm dependent on this mind, I'm dependent on this society, I'm dependent on this. And, and anyone who helps me with these things, they're my friend. And therefore, I'm going to be nice to them. Why am I going to be nice to them? Not because I like them but because they're going to give me something that I need. And then there's neutral people. They don't care about me. Okay, I'm neutral to them. They're not going to give me what I need. They're not going to take what I need. I'm neutral. And then there's the enemies. They want to take away what I need. Like we were talking about locking the door, right? Because there's some thief. They're my enemy. They're going to take away something that I need, and then I won't be able to function anymore. Or they'll prevent me from getting something that I need. They'll block my way and I won't be able to get what I need. Therefore, they're my enemies, 
And the demon says, my enemies, I have to kill them. Right? Isn't this the mentality? 16th chapter. Now, of course, most of us don't go around literally killing our enemies, thankfully. But we try to neutralize them in some way. We try to neutralize our enemies. We try to, you know, we lock our doors. We, we have some way to try to protect ourselves against our enemies or get them out of the way. And if we can't do that, then maybe we say nasty things about them. You know, we criticize them or we try to get them fired or, or we move away. Or somehow we try to get away from our enemies or hurt them if we can. But all this is predicated on this concept that I'm in need. If I didn't have, a, if I didn't have these needs... If I didn't feel I have to fulfill these needs in the external world through the material energy, I wouldn't have friends and enemies. If I knew that all of my needs are fulfilled spiritually, is that a fact, right? If I was Atmarama? Now, the, the Buddhists and the impersonalists, they want us to go to not have any need for help. They want us to just be without needs. I was, I was speaking to one of my god sisters the other day who went through a lot of difficulty in her life and decided that Krishna really wasn't real because if he was real, she wouldn't have suffered so much. And she says, now I just want to worship Buddha, become a Buddhist, and go into the, into the void. Right? So they just think, let me just not need any help because I just don't need anything, and then I'll have this equanimity. Because friends and enemies puts us in anxiety, doesn't it? I always have to be calculating. Are you really my friend? 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 What, what relationship do we have? You know, am I your superior? Am I your equal? Am I your subordinate? How, how are we dealing here? Are you on my side? Are you on the other side? You know, we're, we're constantly, constantly calculating this. Okay, how can I, if you're my enemy, how can I deal with you to either make you a friend or neutralize you or get away from you? If you're my friend, how can I keep you my friend? And constant, constant, constant fear and anxiety, right? So the Buddhists and the Mayavadis, they say, okay, just forget it. Just be a nothing. Just be completely a nothing. And if you're completely a nothing, you lose this anxiety. And they think God must also be a nothing. When they hear that Krishna is, is helping the demigods by killing the demons, they think, oh, he must be in fear and anxiety and need like, like all of us. Now, why should we worship this Krishna? Because he's, he's going around killing demons and saving devotees, Paritranaya, Sadhunam, Vinashaya, Tadusrita, Dharma, Samstapanatha, Sambhavama, Yuga, Yuga. So he must be just like me, full of anxiety and full of fear and always calculating and etc. And in, in the solution. Atmavan Manyate Jigat. It's interesting, Prabhupada says this vision is due to his external energy. So, what does this external energy mean? Prabhupada says in the 14th chapter of Krishna book, that and the prayers of Lord Brahma, that Maya exists only within the mind. So in my mind, because I'm not seeing that I'm a soul, and I'm not seeing I'm already connected with the complete whole and complete, and that's how I get my needs met. Therefore I see this friends and enemies. And this, this Maya of separation from Krishna, it causes me to see Krishna in the wrong way. It causes me to interpret Krishna in the wrong way. It causes me to interpret everybody in the wrong way. Why just Krishna? I mean, even interpreting others as friends and enemies is, is just not true. It's just simply not true. Even people who appear to be helping me or hurting me, really, all materially conditioned souls are just working for their own interests. They're not really concerned about helping me or hurting me. They're really only interested in helping themselves, even if they appear to be my enemy. And in addition, whatever I'm getting from others is just my own destiny. I created my own destiny. 
Right, we got a package delivered the other day. So the, the package was delivered by somebody, but it was something I ordered. You know, it's not that the delivery man just says, well, I, I think I want you know, I ordered it. So my so-called friends, my so-called enemies, they're just giving back to me what I've ordered. So uh, there's no such things as friends and enemies on, on any real platform. This is, you know, the separation from Krishna clouds my vision. And I see others as friends and enemies. I see Krishna working as friends and enemies. So what we want to do is not come to impersonalism. We want to come to personalism. Now, what's fascinating about personalism is that in personalism, there also appears to be friends and enemies. That's just fascinating. You know, this is what Krishna talks about, the banyan tree. You know, it's a reflection of the reality. In the reality, there's something that looks like that. There's something that looks like that. It's not that the reality is just this sort of undifferentiated white mist, you know, of like, Om Shanti. Because one, another reason that we're interested in friends and enemies, why all the stories of, of the world are like that, is because it's exciting. It's interesting. Otherwise, people wouldn't be captivated. It's basically the same stories over and over again. Here's the good guys, here's the bad guys. They fight, and the good guys win, we hope. Right? Isn't it? Yeah. These are the people in love. These are the people trying to hinder their love, and love wins. I mean, it's, a, it's the same if you, if you study, like we teach in school, right? Narratives, what's the format of a, of a good story? There's just a few basic formats, you know, like boy meets girl, boy loses girl, boy finds girl. It's just the same, some people are hearing it over and over and over and over and over again. Because we want some, some taste. You know, when we say that the soul is atmarama, that the soul can be self-satisfied, the soul is self-satisfied not by becoming dead, but by becoming absorbed in the real rasa, in, in Krishna's real activities. And why they're actually tasty is they're not full of illusion and fear. The material things are not actually tasty. Rasa means taste. It is not real. If one is thinking, I'm this body, I'm on this mind, I need air, I need light, I need food, I need friends, I need this, I need that. There's no taste in that. It's just, it doesn't mean anything. It's like a person playing a video game and thinking, I need this in the video game, I need that in the video game. There's no meaning to it. But with Krishna and his devotees, it's just various flavors of exchanges of love. There's not really any enmity. Even between Krishna and the demons, at least on Krishna's part, there's no enmity. He loves all of his parts and parcels. He doesn't hate the demons. I mean, even in this world, even in this world, when a parent, a teacher, corrects their subordinate, generally, there's no enmity. I mean, there may be in some cases, but generally speaking, there's no envy. There's no envy. Parents don't generally, generally, sometimes they do, but generally parents don't envy their children. Right? I was just with the family where the, the child had achieved some great honor, more than the parent. The parent, the father is a gemologist, 
and his son became a gemologist, and his son graduated in, I don't know, exactly, like one year or something. Normally it's a four- or five-year program. I forget the exact number of years. And the father kept saying, over and over, is my son, he learned so much faster than I did. So generally, if somebody learns faster than you, you feel envious. Oh, why is he ahead of me? But when it's your son, there's no, he's just happy. So Krishna, is, he feels this way towards all of his parts and parcels. He has no envy toward them. Even if they hate him, he doesn't envy them. Again, even material parents, if their children hate them, they still love them. Generally. Usually it's like that. And when will they call me? When will they call me? And the kid can be a criminal and they still hate They still love them. They don't feel hatred toward them. When will they reform? When will they reform? So Krishna has no hatred. If the parents say, okay, go to your room for time out, or give me that fire truck, you're hitting your kid over the head with it, you know, or give me your iPad so you go do your homework. It's not out of enmity. It's out of love. So even when Krishna kills the demons, it's, it's, it's love, and he's benefiting them. And it, it's all enjoyment. Right? There's 12 rasas. Some of the rasas have to do with fear and anger right? and ghastliness. So when Krishna's fighting with the demons, like we're coming, this is the segue to the Nisinga story. And Prabhupada says, if you want to enjoy ghastliness, you worship Lord Nisinga Day. He's even enjoying ghastliness. It's pretty ghastly. And if I was sitting up here with a bloody intestine garland, you know, pretty ghastly. <laughs> and Nisinga Day was splattered with blood, you know, Prahlad Mars is sitting on his lap. Just think about this for a minute, yeah? sitting on Nisinga Day's lap and touching this intestine garland with blood. But that's a rasa. That's also a rasa. And even in Goloka Vrindavan, there's apparently competition. You know, the cowherd boys are fighting. I was just listening to this yesterday. You know, Krishna is saying to his friends, okay, you guys get on Balaram's side, and you, you all get on my side, and we'll fight. And Krishna loses. He even loses. And when Krishna comes to this world, he never loses. He always wins. He always defeats the demons. Of course, he may temporarily appear like here in action, knocks the mace out of his hand, you know. Fighting with Shalva, he drops his Sharnga boat and so forth temporarily, and the demigods go, <gasps> right? And the Acharyas say, don't worry, don't worry, you know, Krishna never loses. But in Goloka, Krishna sometimes loses to his friends. And his friends say, you know, oh, Krishna didn't really lift Govardhan Hill, we did it with our sticks, you know, we're much better. And, and Krishna's falling at the feet of the gopis, oh, please forgive me. No, I'm not going to forgive you. Get out of here. Right? Or Mother Yasoda saying, naughty, naughty boy. Naughty boy, stay here. Don't take any more butter. I mean, could you imagine? Right? We, we make our offerings to Krishna on the altar. If we say, you know, Golokananda, you've been bad today. We're not giving you any mungle sweets. You know? <laughs> Even stealing the sweets. So there's this apparent enmity. Right? There's apparent like competition, and there's apparent enmity, and there's... There's apparent friends and enemies. And, but it's all rasa. It's all just tasty. There's not really any enmity. Everyone is beyond Atmarama. You know, they're beyond. I'm gonna be, we're going to be talking about this Krishna willing in New Vrindavan. You know, the Krishna and the devotees, they're, they're fully self-satisfied. And they're doing these activities just as an expression of love. And even when Krishna comes to this material world, it's like that. So we're supposed to also be like this. We're also supposed to be like this. And I think one of the most important things in this purport, there's so many things in this purport, we could talk about this purport for a year, this one purport. 
Prabhupada's books are so nice. But one of the most important things that I find in this purport are two sentences. Everyone who deals with the Supreme Personality of Godhead gradually acquires the qualities of the Lord. The more one advances in spiritual consciousness, the less he is affected by the duality of material qualities. So I see that many times devotees, even though Prabhupada makes these sort of statements over and over again, many times devotees seem to think that that becoming pure in devotional service is an on-off switch. Either I'm a materially conditioned soul or I'm a pure devotee. And many times we'll see devotees who think, well, you know, I, I, can't, I read these things in the Bhagavad Gita about being equal to friends and enemies and above duality. And well, that applies to the great devotees. It doesn't apply to me. So right now I'm going to be on the friends and enemies platform. You know, right now I'm going to go on the internet and write articles blaspheming half the devotees in the movement. Or in my own community I'm going to be going, because, you know, I'm not a pure devotee. And someday when I become a pure devotee, it's just going to happen one day. I'm just going to wake up and go, oh! Now I'm a pure devotee, and now I love everybody. But until that point, I'm going to be envious, and I'm going to be greedy, and I'm going to be critical, and I'm going to be nasty, because, you know, I'm a conditioned soul. But Prabhupada's talking here about it's something that should happen gradually. That as we're progressing in Krishna consciousness, we should be gradually becoming more and more equipoised. We should be gradually becoming less and less involved in this friends and enemies. And this is one of the ways that we can assess our advancement in Krishna consciousness. Prabhupada often said, you don't need a certificate from others. You, just like you don't need a certificate from others whether or not you had enough to eat. Right? Like we had this lovely, lovely dinner at uh, Krishna Priya's house last night. It was absolutely lovely. Right? And she's saying, do you want more? And I could say, no, I'm full. But I didn't have to check with her. I didn't say, Krishna Priya, am I full? You know, go Paul on my fold that I had enough. I had enough. Right? But I can tell myself, if you get nourished, you get relief from hunger, you get pleasure. So in the same way, we should be able to assess ourselves. We should be regularly doing a self-assessment. And one of our self-assessments should be, am I becoming neutral to friends and enemies? If I still look at someone and say, oh, that's my enemy. Oh, that's my friend. Oh, they're my enemy? Okay, I have to criticize them. I have to run away from them. I have to neutralize them in some way. Then we're doing something wrong in our spiritual life. Then somehow, as Prabhupada says, if you're not making advancement, just like if you're, not, if you're not feeling satisfied by eating, then you're not really eating. I was sitting next to the lady on the plane yesterday who was chewing gum. So it appears that you're eating, you know. But there's no eating. And therefore you don't become satisfied. Or he said you have parasites in your intestines. So if you're actually eating, but you're not becoming satisfied, either you're not eating, either your prophet said you're not in Krishna consciousness, or you're committing offenses. So not in Krishna consciousness means niyamagraha, I'm just doing things superficially, I'm not doing things with maya shaktamana with affection for Krishna, or it means I'm, in the name of Krishna consciousness, I'm really doing karma yoga, or jnana yoga, or dhyana yoga, we see this also. Or it can mean that although I'm in uttam bhakti, I'm actually in uttam bhakti, uh, that I'm committing offenses. So we should see ourselves progressing to this point. Now, how do we progress gradually to this point? We do not do it in the way of the karma yogis, jnana yogis, dhyana yogis. The way they try to progress to this point is by killing, 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 nullifying, nullifying, nullifying. 
Just stop. Just try to, to stop having desires. Stop having, as Prabhupada said, needing help. That's the way that they try to do it, which Kleso Dikatraste come. Very, very difficult. Well, the way we do it is we connect with Krishna. We relish these transcendental pastimes. We get our rasa from Krishna. And by getting our rasa from Krishna, that we no longer are trying to enjoy the material reflection, which has no, there's nothing in it. It's chewing the chewed. It's, it's not, it, it, there's no substance to it. It's, it's just a shadow. And by getting our enjoyment from Krishna having apparent friends and enemies, by getting our enjoyment from Krishna's pastimes with the cows and the cowherd boys and the gopis and Mother Yasoda, and even in this world with the demons and the devotees, which is on the platform of material neutrality. It's not on the platform of material friends and enemies. And it's so much more tasty and satisfying. We become satisfied, and then we look at this friends and enemies things in the material world and say, huh? What's that all about? Who cares for that? Let me read about Nisingadev and Hiranyakashipu or, you know, Sridham and Subha. So we should be doing this on a a minute-to-minute basis. Where am I getting my rasa? Where am I getting my taste? Where am I getting my help? Where am I connecting? And be be looking at ourselves. How do we view the world? Are we becoming, are we gradually, as Prabhupada's saying here, acquiring these qualities of the Lord? So questions, comments, additions, subtractions. Yes, Marsh. I have some doubts about when it says that you know, the devotee gradually attains the same qualities as the Lord, it okay. becomes equal poise, somewhat, somewhat salvation, temptation. Yeah. So I'm just thinking of one story that caused me great doubts. Okay. It's a story of one of the ghost swamis in Vrindavan. And when he heard, someone was bringing him some milk, when he heard that the person came from Saki Stali, he got so angry that it was... You know, he was going to beat the person running after him with a stick. So here's one of the ghost mommies. So if the ghost mommy can act like that, why can't I? <laughs> well, as we said, this, this is uh, just, it, it's play. It, it's, it's just playfulness. You know, it's just... Well, poor boy was so scared. He was trying to play was playful. <laughs> Uh, probably the boy did actually, because fear is another ru- is another one of the russes, and it's just play. Because you find that there's just like we have the painting on the other side of the altar of Ras Lila, and there everybody's in Ras Lila, everybody's in, ho- in holy pastime. So there's many pastimes uh, where everybody is together. Like in Brihad Bhagavatamrita, Sanatana Swami explains that when Krishna is going to bed at night, so Srimati Radharani is feeding the Lord. Uh, Betel nuts and Chandravali and Lalita are massaging the Lord's lotus feet. So there, is, there isn't actually any enmity. It's just like when Krishna and the cowherd boys are fighting. And when they're fighting, they're fighting. You know, little boys, when they fight, they fight. They're actually fighting. But there's no enmity. They're not really trying to hurt each other. But in that mood of fighting, they're like, I'm on baller on that. They actually fight. They're not just like... They're fighting. And they, they have a sense, I won. You know, when Balaram's teams say, I won, they feel that I won. 
or what to speak of what you're bringing up, I mean, what to speak of like the husbands and the in-laws of the gopis. I mean, they really appear to be antagonists. You know, they, they, they appear to be people that are scorned and, 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 and derided. And I had some really interesting experience of this at the Govardhan retreat where I was asked to be in the drama and play Jatila. And, uh, I remember Lakshmi afterwards saying, a New York Jewish Jatila, you know. But it was, it, was a, it was a very fascinating experience, really by the, the mercy of like Giri Rashwami and Sachin Andan Maharaj, who were there in the audience, and the mercy of, of Giri Raj himself, who was there. Uh, when, when doing the drama, uh, and it was also interesting because my daughter was playing Krishna in the drama. But when I was in the drama, and Krishna's there in disguise, when I was in the drama, I had no, no awareness that the girl in disguise was actually Krishna. And what to speak of that the girl in disguise who's Krishna was actually my daughter. I had, I had just no awareness of that at all. It was, that was just gone. You know, I was really into the drama. But at the same time, there was something way in the back that it's Krishna. And so even though I was playing in this drama the role of an antagonist to Krishna... There was something there also that it was for Krishna. And at the, the very end of this drama, my last line in the drama, was asking Lalita to make a flower bed upstairs for Vijavali and Radharani. And Vijavali is actually Krishna. So Jatila was facilitating this coming together of Radha and Krishna, although she's an antagonist. So her external, her, her main consciousness is that she's trying to prohibit Radha and Krishna. But, but actually she's getting ecstasy by uniting Radha and Krishna. And I think it was the first time that I really got some idea of what does yoga maya mean. You know, there, there's something in all the residents of Vrindavan, there, there's some awareness somewhere that Krishna is God. Like the gopis when they're singing their prayers of separation, they say, you're not really the son of Mother Yasoda, you're really the, you know, the Supreme Lord. And everyone is working for Krishna's pleasure. At the same time, they're fully absorbed in their different roles. They're fully absorbed in those roles. You know, that, that Krishna, I'm stronger than you, or Krishna, I'm going to tie you up, or, you know, Krishna, why are you going with that gopi? You should go with my party. And they're, they're fully absorbed in that. At the same time, there's something there where they're all getting happiness and Krishna's pleasure. And there's no actual enmity, and there's no actual envy, and there's... That, that it just isn't there at all. And I don't know how to explain it any better than that. I mean, I was very grateful that I had that experience and that I could experience that even, you know, people like Jatila and Kutila, who, um, like Madhu Mangal, I realized we had Madhu Mangal in the play. Everybody laughs with Madhu Mangal, but everyone laughs at Jatila. She's a comic figure that people laugh at her. And she's, she's basically seen, I mean, and it's really like Krishna dressing up as Abhimanyu and Madhu and I mean, just that whole... How she's dealt with seems to be very cruel. And they're all tricking her and making fun of her and things like that. But actually, they're all, they're all unified in love. They're all unified in love. And Jatila feels so happy facilitating Radha Krishna Leela, which she apparently is, is, is obstructing. And her apparent obstruction is actually a facilitation. So just like, you know, we say that Srimati Radharani, that she's, that she's a hundred, what does Krishna's Kavira say? How many times happier is she when Krishna's with the other gopis? 
10 million times, is it? 10 million times. That Srimadhi Radharani is 10 million times happier when Krishna's with the other gopis. But does she always appear like that? No, so Krishna comes. She's like, you're with some other gopi. Get out of here. Don't talk to me anymore. I don't ever want to see you again. So if she's 10 million times happier when he's with another gopi than when he's with her, then why is she having this? Because it's tasty. It's tasty. Otherwise, it's all just, we're all happily ever after. And there's no story. Does that make sense? So everybody's participating in the, in the stories. And Krishna and the, and the devotees are enjoying all of the... All of the... Akila Rasamitamurti. All the tastiness. But without envy. Without enmity. Without any actual... Without the material fear. Is that okay? Does that resolve your doubt? Which I'm sure you didn't actually have any doubt. Srila Prabhupada Kija.